0: One thing that I'm noticing is the more we get into this book, the stranger it gets because you start having, he starts talking about all these dreams and the dreams that we're talking about today that Nebuchadnezzar had are dealing with uh, the day in which he's living. As we go on, and I'm already a little bit ahead, uh, the dreams start dealing more with prophetic events, with things that take place in the future. And so it's kind of getting complicated, but it's actually just a really interesting book to be going through but today our, our focus on chapter four is going to be on on the issue of pride and Nebuchadnezzar was a man who is absolutely eaten up with a prideful spirit and as I read through chapter four you know it's very easy for me and I'm sure like for you to point out people who are who are very prideful I mean can y'all can you notice people you'd say man that guy he's kind of arrogant or that that woman she's sort of you know, she thinks she's better than everybody else. You all have those kinds of thoughts. For, okay, the three of you do, the rest of you are a bunch of liars. And so we all, we all have those thoughts that, those people are, that there's people that are arrogant and prideful. Now, I'm good at seeing pride and arrogance in other people. Yeah, I just sort of struggle, you know, when it comes to me, because when I look at myself, I, I have a blind spot to all the bad things that are in my life. So when I look at myself, I'm looking pretty good. Uh, But the fact of the matter is, we all struggle with this issue. And we're going to be talking about Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king of Babylon that we've been talking about the last several weeks, as a man who was struggling with the issue of pride. And uh, we all know that pride has a tendency of coming back to bite us. Um, If you watch ESPN ever, uh, just this past week I saw a I just, I mean, it was a, it was kind of a funny clip. It was a guy that was in a, a bike race. I don't. It wasn't the Tour de France, but it was something like it. You might have seen it. It was the not so great place of the week. And he's coming up to the finish line. It's just he thought it was the finish line, and it wasn't. And so he's up ahead of everybody else. And as he's coming across, he begins to coast, and he throws his arms up like, "Yes, I've done it!" And then all the other bikers just go flying past him, and it's then he realizes. I just made a big mistake. Now, that is a good picture to me of pride. And that's what pride does. It's when we think of ourselves as better than what we really are, and then it ends up coming back to haunt us. And so my, my hope today is as we look into our text, is we're going to see what are some signs of pride so that we can look into our own lives to say, do I have these signs in my life? And if I do then one thing that I want to do is get off the path of pride because man, pride does not take you to a good place at all. And that's what we're going to look at today. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, he was the king, he was a great man. Um, in his youth, he commanded his father's armies. Whenever, And this is a real guy. This is a historical figure. This is not some mythical person I'm talking about. And so he, he commanded his father's armies. He ends up becoming king. After he becomes the king, he takes Babylon from being, you know, like a a pretty good nation to being the strongest country in the world. The army is unbeatable. Uh, He is a man who's brilliant. He builds one of the seven wonders of the world, which was the hanging gardens of Babylon. Uh, Very simply put, he is a guy that had it all. I mean, everything was going his way. He was a man that was seen as being brilliant, he was strong, but with all these accolades that he had around his life, he began to buy into the hype. And he began to say, you know, I have all these things, I'm a part of a great nation and a great country because of my own brilliance. And so what we see in our text is he's a guy who was kind of conceited. He's a guy that got onto a path of pride and... And no one likes anybody who is arrogant or somebody who's conceited. We can't stand to be around people like that. I'm like, man, that guy is absolutely no fun to be around. And yet what I'm noticing is whenever I have those thoughts in my mind, the fact of the matter is, man, I'm so prideful as well. And so what I want us to see are some some signs of pride, not just in Nebuchadnezzar's life, but in your life and in my life, so that when we see it, we'll say, you know what, we need to move away from this. And the very first sign of pride that I see in Nebuchadnezzar's life, I see in my own life, is stubbornness. People who are prideful have a streak of stubbornness in them. Now, I'm not talking about, I mean, there are times when being stubborn can be good. You know, when you are stubborn, I'm going to stand for what's right regardless of what people say. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the kind of stubbornness where we look at ourselves and we see our own greatness and we refuse to budge from it. And that's what we see in our verse. And we're going to be looking at all of chapter 4 today. Now, I'm not going to read it all because it's a lengthy chapter, but I'm just going to pick a few verses that I'd like for you to look with me at. Now, the first one is beginning in verse number 4 of chapter 4. This is the king. He says this, Nebuchadnezzar was at ease in my house and flourishing in my palace. And I had a dream, and it frightened me. While in my bed, the images and visions in my mind alarmed me, and so I issued a decree to bring all the wise men of Babylon to me in order that they might make the dream's interpretation known to me. me. And when the diviner priests, mediums, Chaldeans, and astrologers came in, I told them the dream, but they could not make its interpretation known to me. And finally Daniel, named Belteshazzar after the name of my God, and the spirit of the holy gods is in him, he came before me, and I told him the dream. All right, let me give you a little bit of historical context again. When Nebuchadnezzar said these words, he had been king of Babylon for about 30 years. You can pull out history books. You can look and see what his reign was like. This was a warring nation. I mean, these guys like to fight. But after 30 years, he begins to sort of move away from you know, conquering all these different nations. He's, he's moved beyond being really aggressive to now he's starting to kick back a little bit. You know, he's starting to relax. He's starting to get towards retirement age, and he's just going to enjoy the fruits of his labor. But then something happens. It's in chapter 4, he has another dream. Now, we've been going through the book of Daniel for several weeks, and this should sound familiar to you, because we find out Nebuchadnezzar is a guy who has a lot of dreams. And he had a dream back in chapter 2. And in chapter 2, he had this troubling dream, didn't understand it. So, I'm, y'all, this is like a summary from a couple of weeks ago. And so what he did is he, want, he called his wise men together, and Babylon was a nation that was known for, for its dreams, for having people that could interpret them. And so he called his wise men together and said, all right, guys, I'm not going to tell you what I dreamed. I want you to tell me what I dreamed, and then I want you to interpret my dream. And if you don't get it right, I'm going to kill you. Okay, that's, is that pressure? I mean, you think you have a bad week or a tough week coming up. Can you imagine that? Tell me what I dreamed, interpret it, and if you're wrong, then we're just going to go ahead and just cut your head off. Okay, so there's a lot of pressure on these guys. Now, Daniel heard this, and Daniel, being a follower of God, what does he do? He begins to pray. Yeah, he does it, but he prays. And he says, God, reveal to me the dream. And then give me the interpretation, and I'll go to the king. So he does this. God gives him the dream. it's, I mean, it's unbelievable. And he goes to Nebuchadnezzar and says, this is what you dreamed about. Can you imagine? Now, that's easy for us to read that story and go, well, isn't that interesting? I mean, just think about it for yourself. You know, what if I came up to one of you? You know, if I came up to, uh, if I came up to Greg Butler, and I was like, Greg, man, I was, I was thinking about you last night, and I know what you dreamed. And then I told Greg what he dreamed. Do you think that would freak him out? I guarantee you that would freak him out. And whenever I told his wife Mandy, it would freak her out even more. Now, that would be a scary thought. But that is exactly what Daniel did. Now, did Daniel was he able to do this because he's just so gifted? It's it's because of the God he served. Daniel gave all the credit to God. In Daniel 2.47, after he interprets the dream and he tells the king it's from God, listen to what Nebuchadnezzar said. He said, your God is indeed the God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries since you are able to reveal this mystery. Nebuchadnezzar recognizes that Daniel's God is the king of gods. Now that's... This is a big deal. It might not seem like it to us today, but Nebuchadnezzar, remember his nation conquered Israel. They destroyed, you remember they destroyed the temple? And they went to the temple, they took all the stuff out of the temple, and they brought it into their temple. And they did that because what they were saying was, our God is bigger than your God. That's why we sang the song, Our God is Greater, just to tell Nebuchadnezzar that he can stick it. Okay? So and this is what Nebuchadnezzar's doing here. He's saying, our God's bigger than your God. Your God's not so tough. We just conquered your nation. And then Daniel comes along, he interprets a dream, and Nebuchadnezzar goes, oops, I might have been wrong. He says, your God is the king of gods. But then what happens? <clears throat> Time passes, and Nebuchadnezzar forgets. And he kind of goes back to his old way of life once again. And he slipped back into default mode, and 30 years later, he has another dream. Now, you'd think after he had another dream, he'd call Daniel up and say, Daniel, man, you're not going to believe this, I had another dream. Tell me what it's about. He doesn't do that. What does he do? He goes to the wise men who couldn't interpret his dream the first time around. He looks once again for answers from the world instead of answers from God. And it's so easy for me to look at that and to take a step back and go, that is so moronic, I can't believe he would do that. But here's what I'm learning. We do the same thing. You know, we we get so excited about God, and then just time passes. And for long, we just find ourselves slipping back into default mode, seeking after the things of the world again, forgetting about what God has done. Let me try to give you an example. And, and what I think it is, it, I think what happens to us is we just get so used to following ourselves, and we become stubborn, thinking, I think I can find the answers for myself. An example of this to me is I have a friend of mine, or somebody, somebody I know very well, who, uh, he's a friend. But uh, he has gotten a speeding ticket in the same spot three times in the last two years. Okay, he just got the other one just like a couple of months ago. And I was, I was like, are you, are you dumb? And I I, asked, I said, yeah, what, what are you doing? Why, why do you always speed right here? And he said, I just kept keep thinking that this time a policeman will not be there. And they have been three times. Now, to me, that is an example of our human stubbornness. And the Bible talks about how stubborn we are as people. In Romans 1, verses 18 through 25, and I won't read it all, but I, I want to I show you what we end up doing. It says about people, it says, We exchange the truth of God for a lie. It says that we are willing to worship and serve something created instead of the Creator. You know, none of us on our own want to want to follow God in our nature. In our nature, we don't want to submit to anything. I want to make the standard for my life, and I think you do too. We want to make the standard for our life ourselves. You see, if the standard for how I live, if the standard for the decisions I make are based on what I think is right, you know what that means for me? I am never wrong. Isn't that great? If my standard in life is me, then I can do whatever I want. And nobody will ever hold me accountable. You can't judge me that way. I'll say, well, that might be true for you, but with my standards, I'm doing just fine. And that's because it's stubbornness in my heart. Now, that's where Nebuchadnezzar was. Nebuchadnezzar was a guy who had set the standard, made the standard himself. He had the power of life and death over his citizens, and what God wanted him to see was that God has the power of life and death over all mankind, and that's still true today. And that should cause us to have some reverence for God. This life, it's it's not about you his life is, it is not about me. It is about our God who created us. And yet too many times we are so stubborn in our hearts that we will deny this over and over again so that we can remain in charge. You know, Jesus spoke of this when he said in Matthew sixteen twenty-six: what will it benefit a man if he gains the whole world and yet loses his life? There's some signs of pride that we need to be aware of and examine ourselves. The first sign of pride is stubbornness. The second one is arrogance. And I think that one makes sense to me. When you think of pride, you almost automatically think of arrogance. When we see arrogance in in Nebuchadnezzar, if you look in verse number 19 of chapter 4, it says, Then Daniel, whose name is Belteshazzar, was stunned for a moment. He just had the dream. His thoughts alarmed him. The king said, Belteshazzar, don't let the dream or its interpretation alarm you. And Daniel answered, My lord, may the dream apply to those who hate you and its interpretation to your enemies. He says, The tree you saw, which grew large and strong, whose top reached to the sky and was visible to all the earth, whose leaves were beautiful and all its fruit abundant. And on it was food for all, and under it the wild animals lived, and in its branches the birds of the air lived. That tree is you, the king. For you become great and strong and your greatness has grown and even reaches the sky and your dominion extends to the ends of the earth. And the king saw an observer, a holy one coming down from heaven, saying, Cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump with its roots in the ground. Now I'm not going to read the rest of that, but what's happening here is Daniel has received the dream from God that the king had and now he's going to interpret it. And basically, what the dream comes down to is a very simple statement that you're probably familiar with. He's gotten too big for his britches. Y'all heard that one before? He got too big for his britches. Nebuchadnezzar had gotten too big for his britches. Well, how so? I mean, he's arrogant. He's so arrogant. Now, I look, at the, I look at history, and I look at our text, he had every reason to kind of be big for his britches. I mean, look at the guy... Was the, uh, he's, the, he's basically the king of the world. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, he's built one of, the, one of the seven wonders of the world. What have you built? I mean, one of the seven wonders of the world? It's impressive. I mean, he's a guy who has charged over, over thousands, if not millions of people. He's the guy in school, when you went to school, who had the perfect smile, the perfect teeth, the nice flowing hair and a tan that every girl wanted to go out with. This is a guy that had everything going his way. He's got every reason to be arrogant. Right? He's got every reason for everybody to say, I wish I had what he had. So everything looks good for him until he has a dream. Now what's the dream that he has? He dreams, it's a weird dream, he has a dream about a big tree. It's a big tree and there's birds living in it and there's all this fruit that's able to feed everybody. And Daniel comes in and interprets the dream. He says, King, this is what it is. He said, you're the tree. Your nation is filled with people who are, who are fed abundantly. He said, but there's going to come somebody from heaven who's going to whack the tree down. And he says, and you are the tree. Nebuchadnezzar, I'm going to get cut down? You know, me, the guy that has everything? That I, I can do what I want? And Daniel says, you will be cut like, cut down like a stump. You will be cut To the quick, why? Why was this going to happen to the king? Well, it's very simple. The reason why is because of his pride. It's because of his arrogance. Daniel said that he would basically what he says later on in the verses. He says, "You will wander around with the cattle. You'll have the dew covering your skin. Your hair will be like eagles' feathers. Your nails are going to grow out really long. You all seen the Guinness books of world record? Those people really long nails." That was going to happen to Nebuchadnezzar. Like, what's that about? He's going to lose his mind. That's what Daniel said. He said, you're going to go ape. You're going to be a nut job. Why? Because of his arrogance. Daniel said this to him, verse 25. He says, you will be driven away from people to live with wild animals. You'll feed on grass like cattle. How strange is this? You'll be drenched with dew from the sky for seven periods of time. That means seven years until you acknowledge that the Most High is ruler over the kingdom of men and God gives it to anyone he wants. The king refused to acknowledge God. That's what it came down to. Guys, let me tell you something. That's what pride will do to us. It will get us to a point where we will refuse to acknowledge God, and we say, "I am in charge, not God." Now I might tip my hat to Him, but when it comes down to how I'm going to live, I'm going to make the decision myself. Now the arrogance on Nebuchadnezzar's part is pretty incredible because when you read through the Book of Daniel, just where we've been—we've only been through four chapters. God has three different times revealed Himself to Daniel, or excuse me, to, to Nebuchadnezzar. First time, uh, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. And Daniel comes along and interprets it. Second time, remember last week, the king built a statue, said everybody bow down and worship it. Three guys wouldn't. Y'all remember who they were? Yeah, where'd he go? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Three guys. They wouldn't bow down. And so what did the king do? Went to a rage, and he threw them into a fiery furnace. And when he looked into the furnace, he threw three guys in there. How many did he see in there? Four. Now, who is the fourth guy? He looks like one of the sons of God. He pulls those men out of the fire. They're not even, they don't even have, they don't, they don't even smell like smoke. They haven't even been touched. And whenever the king says this, he looks at Daniel and says, there is something to your God. The third time is this text right here. Three times God has revealed himself to Nebuchadnezzar, and Nebuchadnezzar kind of tips his hat to God, but then he goes on his merry way and lives like he wants to live. And Daniel said, you can't do that. You can't do it. You can't be touched by God and remain the same. You can't, be, you can't see the power of God and ignore it and not expect anything to happen. That's why Daniel said in verse 27, separate yourself from your sin by doing what is right. You know, God gives people a choice to serve him or not to serve him. God will not force himself upon you. He'll allow you to make a decision about what you're going to do in life. But here's the deal. All of our choices carry with them consequences. Right? I mean, do we know this? If, we have, if you have children, you tell your kids this all the time. All your, all your choices carry with them consequences. God was telling Nebuchadnezzar, if you continue to ignore me, then I will turn you over to your own way, and it will lead to destruction. He was telling Nebuchadnezzar, it's time for you to repent. It's time for you to turn away living for self and turn to living for God. You know, the Bible speaks a lot of repentance. A whole lot. Jesus spoke about repentance. Jesus said this about repentance in Luke 13, 3. He says, I tell you, unless you repent, you will all perish as well. Guys, you know, repentance is so against our nature. Our nature is to live for self and do what I want to do and not be held accountable by anyone. But God lets us know if we don't repent. He says, If I if you are left to your own devices, you are heading down the path to destruction. Proverbs eighteen sixteen or sixteen, eighteen says, Pride comes before destruction, and an arrogant spirit before a fall. That's a Do you have signs of pride in your life? Is there a spirit of of arrogance in your life? If there is, run from it. Nebuchadnezzar didn't. We see some signs of pride in his life. There's stubbornness, there's arrogance. This is the last one I want you to see. There's also denial. The sign of pride in in life is, is just to be in absolute denial. Now, look with me in verse number 20, let's see, 28. Now, this is the prophecy has been made. He told him, Daniel said, you're going to go crazy. We get to verse number 28. It says, and all this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of the 12 months, and this is, he's heard this 12 months before he'd heard what Daniel said. At the end of 12 months, he says, he's walking on the roof of the royal palace in Babylon, and the king exclaimed, is this not Babylon the great that I have built by my vast power to be a royal residence and to display my majestic glory? And while the words were still in his mouth, a voice came from heaven, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is declared that the kingdom has departed from you. And you will be driven away from people to live with the wild animals, and you will feed on grass like cattle for seven periods of time until you acknowledge that the Most High is ruler over the kingdom of the earth. Ugh. Dealt with God three different times. He ignores him every time, and finally God turns him over to his own ways. And Nebuchadnezzar loses it all. Guys, that's what pride does. Pride pushes us away from God, and it causes us to lose the blessings of God. Now, now, King Nebuchadnezzar, like I said before, he had recognized who Daniel's God was. Uh, in verse number 18, the king said to Daniel, he said, Belteshazzar, give me the interpretation, because none of the wise men of my kingdom can make the interpretation known to me, but you can because you have the spirit of the holy gods. He recognized who God was, so that he's without excuse. The same thing's true for us. You know, th- there's a lot of us. I mean, the, did you know the most own? You know what the most owned book in in, the, in America is? It's the Bible. Most owned book in America is the Bible. People will talk very well about the Bible. Most people, I'm sure, there's a few that don't, but most people say, yeah, it's a good book, right? I mean, did any of y'all say this is not? If you do, don't do it in here. Maybe you can tell me after. Surely, there's not anybody in here who'd say, Man, "I really don't like that book." Now, there's a lot of stuff in this book I don't understand. There's a lot of stuff I do understand. And you know, I look at the Bible, I say, "This is a good book." I think most of us say, yeah, "It teaches good morals." Now, we say these things, and yet, if you look at the trajectory we're on in our morality, what would you say about what we say and about what we do? Kind of different, right? I mean, I I, I hear people say, oh, "It's a really good book," and then you know they're you know They're sitting behind bars telling me this, and I'm thinking, well, you know, have you actually read it? And, uh, well, yeah, well, then if you've read it, we're not practicing it very well. Let me just give you a couple of examples. In the United States today, 40% of all births take place outside of marriage. Now, you might say, well, that's really not that big of a deal. Guys, let me tell you something. If you believe that this is the Word of God, it's a big deal. So totally contrary to what, what God says concerning family. Uh, today, there, there are more people in the United States today who are living outside, living together outside of marriage than living together inside of marriage for the first time in our history. And that's not that big of a deal. i me tell you something. If you believe this is God's word, that's a big deal. So I look at the trajectory that we're on, and I have to come to the conclusion. Now, we, we kind of tip our hat to God, but we deny what he says. You know, the greatest growth that's happening in American Christianity today is people leaving the faith. Now, I really believe the root of this is it's pride. It's pride in doing what we want to do. It's pride in saying, I will live as I choose, and nobody's going to tell me what to do. But here's the deal, and the Bible points this out all the time. You will reap what you sow. It always tells us that. Galatians 6, 7 says, don't be deceived. God's not mocked. For whatever a man sows, he will also reap. Nebuchadnezzar, he glorified himself. What happened to him? He went nuts for seven years. Okay, that's bad news. Let me share with you. Let me end with this. Here's the good news in this story. This is the lesson I take away from this story. And that is that even in the midst of all of this junk that Nebuchadnezzar was getting ready to endure, we see the grace of God. And God says, if you will turn your eyes to me, I will restore you. Our God is a a God, there's no doubt He is a God who is just, He's righteous, He's holy, but He's also a God who loves people. And whenever we are willing to submit ourselves to His leadership, God will restore. What happened to Nebuchadnezzar? Verse 34 says, At the end of those days, seven years, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven and my sanity returned to me. Then I praised the Most High and honored and glorified Him who lives forever. Whenever the king laid his ego aside, and he said, God, it's not me, it's you, what did God do? He restored him. Guys, as long as you and I have breath, we are never too far beyond the reach of God to heal us to restore us. Now, my guess is there are some of you who are in need of God restoring your life. You need some healing in your life. And maybe for a long time you've, you've been marked with pride. And I, if, you, if you have been, let me tell you, if you're, not, you're not any different than any of the others in this room. We all struggle with it. But it could be today. It is time for you today to lay it aside. Say, God, I understand that my spirit I have arrogance. I give myself credit for what I have. When the scripture tells me that every good thing comes from above. God, I need you. God, I need healing. I need restoration in my life. Lord, I've been trying to do it by myself, and yet I'm beating my head against a brick wall. God, I need you.